everybody, and welcome back to episode 12 of Backs of All Trades podcast. I'm with another in-person guest today. I'm with Michael. He goes by Higher Up Wellness on all platforms, and he it has a really unique perspective when it comes to fitness that I just really appreciate, which is far and away, no bullshit, like reducing it to the most simple terms and trying to help people, uh, not necessarily like, oh, you want to turn into the most jacked monster of all time. It's like, no, let's improve your life and let's make it very simple. So I just want to thank you so much for coming on the show. Yeah, man. I'm stoked to be here. Thank you for inviting me on. Of course. Yeah. So uh, Michael and I actually met through kind of a mutual third party podcast. Uh, We went on a podcast called Wake Up and Lead. It's by Hampton Dorch, which I can put in the description as well. Great guy. And uh, he said like, oh, I think you guys would enjoy talking together. And um, since then we've talked a little bit more and actually, you know, he ended up recommending me to join the brand Echo Vision, which we're both now a part of and have basically gotten to know each other actually a lot more since I first invited you yeah. on the podcast. But uh, my question to you is when you actually introduce yourself and if you're, if you were to tell somebody uh, what you do and why you do it, what would be your answer to that? I think the best way to describe what I do would be that it's it's the mission in the bio that I put the day I was trying to figure out what I create my TikTok account, what do I put in the bio? Because it's a character limit. I thought, what's the easiest thing I could say? And I just typed sharing easily implementable ways to improve your life. And that's my mission. That is, that is what I want to do every day. I want to teach people that they're really four or five key decisions every, way, every day away from feeling 180 degrees different. And if I can continue to do that, then I'm achieving my mission. Um, so I make content around simple things that people can do that have a massive physiological impact in a positive direction. Why I do it is probably alluding to a little bit of my fitness journey and my story, which we'll get into in a minute. But basically, I'm addicted to feeling as good as possible. Honestly, I, I've been thinking about like, why do I do all this weird shit? Like, why do I cold plunge? Why do I sauna? All these things that people think I'm weird for, right? I don't think they're weird. And it's simply put, I'm, I'm addicted to feeling good. And for the last five years before I started making content, I truly mean it when I say at least once a day, I would think about the fact that there are so many people out there that think vitality and feeling good is so far out of their reach and it's just not. Yeah, I think that's great. Um, Fitness has transformed my life so much, which is why I talk about it as well. And yeah, went from the person who thought that certain things were completely out of reach for me, whether it was literally just liking the way that I looked in the mirror or feeling kind of lethargic just throughout the day. And, uh, as someone who, you know, was going into engineering and stuff, the trope of basically like, uh, I talk about it a lot, but you have to pick between a social life, your grades, or you like being healthy and sleep and all those other things. Yeah. And so, uh, so many people think that you do have to trade so many things. And, uh, what I do really like how you can reduce all of that and say, make the right, the same five decisions, do it every day and you'll be unrecognizable in like 90 days. I think that's so good. Um, but yeah, if you, if you don't mind going into a little bit about your fitness journey, cause I know that you weren't born maybe as fit as you are now. Definitely not. Definitely not. Which is a, a misconception that I get a lot. I get, it was just your genetics. It's you were born this way. It's well, you did not see me in 2018 when I was, I should have had stock in the Waffle House and Kentucky Gentleman Whiskey. <laughs> like I'm telling you, man, I was a, I was a connoisseur of both. So my fitness journey probably starts the way it is now in 2018, 2019. I was an athlete growing up, played football and baseball. So I was able to eat like an absolute animal and never have a great physique. I was overweight for most of my life. Um, chubby until I hit puberty. That was obviously a ton of fun in middle school. And then going into high school, I thinned out a little bit and playing sports and staying active. And then college hit and I continued to eat like a two sport athlete while doing neither of the sports. And that quickly ballooned me up to 230 to 235 pounds, which at my frame about six feet tall is, was heavy. Um, I wasn't, you know, morbidly obese, but I remember going to the doctor at 21 for a physical and the doctor saying, your blood pressure is a concern of mine. And me thinking at 21, Jesus, I just voted in my first election. This shouldn't be an issue. So with that, um, that paired with the fact that every time I went to the pool, every time I woke up, every time I looked in the mirror, my self-image was shit from the time I was a kid. Like it's something I always struggled with. And one of my my favorite quotes or aphemisms, and there's probably going to be a lot of these in the episode, I'm a big ism guy, is you will change when the pain of staying the same is outweighed by the pain of change because change is uncomfortable inherently for everybody. And I hit a low. That's where my before picture you've probably seen now. 
that was the moment. I was like, I look like absolute shit. And my best friend, though he will, he did not know at the time, was talking about me. And I was in another room. He didn't know I could hear him. And he said, he was talking to one of my other buddies. He said, damn, man, smoke is getting big. And uh, that, that, when he said that, I thought, you know what? He's right. Like, this is unacceptable. And from there, I started with the basics. I cleaned up my diet a little bit, sort of a bro diet, bro gym split. And just from making those key changes, I dropped the first 10 or 12 pounds. And then I became obsessed because I realized how much better I felt, how much better I looked. I was starting to get, you know, boosted up and saying like, congratulations. And I became a little bit addicted to that. And then in doing so, I discovered some YouTubers, some science-based health and fitness YouTubers. And that's when I started to learn this stuff is really not that hard. And I think similar to you, one of the reasons we get along so well is we're very hyper logical or very, it has to be very matter of fact. If it makes sense, I'm going to do it. If it doesn't, I won't. And I discovered actually at the time, uh, Greg O'Gallagher, Kino body making videos before he became mega mansion, you know, testosterone booster guy. He was just making videos walking and he said, Hey, this stuff's simple. I used to look like crap, walk 10,000 steps a day, lift hard in the gym, eat real food and it, you'll be fine. You know? And once I found that approach, that's when everything expedited. And in that it became more about how I felt every day mentally than how I looked physically. Yeah. Uh, uh, before we go on to the next topic, something that you touched on that I think is interesting is um, you you ultimately were able to make that pivot and say, hey, I am want to improve my life. And then through that, uh, truthfully, again, the information is not that complicated. What do you think is holding so many people from so many people back from accessing what you would consider and I would consider to be the obvious thing to do? Uh, why do so many people struggle to make that change? That's a great question. I think it's multifaceted and I think it varies a little bit person to person. <clears throat> I think one is that honestly, not, not to speak ill of the common man, but people lack self-starting. Like a lot of people just aren't willing to, to, to get on YouTube and look at, you know, I would say you're three to five YouTube videos away from whatever skill you want to learn. Cooking, gym, there's great information out there for free from the best minds in the world. But some people just don't even think because they don't even think that I want to take this initiative for myself, right? The, the pain of change has not been yet outweighed by staying the same. Um, and then honestly, I think a big one, a lot of the reason I believe we do what we do or don't do is ego. I think people, people aren't scared of looking like a fool in the gym because they don't know what they're doing. They're scared of how that's going to make them feel because that will challenge or crack the identity of the reality of how they perceive themselves. I think that's something that coaches and people in the space don't talk about a lot is a lot of people's ego gets in the way of them doing anything new. I mean, think about, you know, you getting into podcasting, us getting into content creation. It was uncomfortable at first and it still is. And it's because we're not, you know, in the cycle of learning we're we're at the conscious incompetent space, right? We know, we know we don't know anything and it's an uncomfortable place to be. And I think if more people can put their ego to the side and remain sort of that curious amateur of I'm just continually learning and that's okay. That's where I believe people achieve longevity and they achieve success in this game of fitness because it's a lifelong game. Yeah. I think that makes a ton of sense. Uh, just I, cause I do imagine a lot. Uh, I've made videos on this deep down. I think people know, for example, yeah, if you go into the gym and you're overweight and you don't really know what you're doing, nobody really is sitting there pointing at you no laughing way. to their friends. Like that doesn't happen, but you feel vulnerable because you are doing something that is uncomfortable. And if you are insecure and stuff like that, it is a, an entirely self image problem. And like, it's coming from within and it's a completely valid feeling, right? To be insecure and going to the gym. Um, but understanding that your perception that people are, you know, going to criticize you is completely baseless. Yeah, that's, that's spot on. It's, it is, it is unfortunately, Sometimes I think you and I both say things in our content that people don't want to hear because it it challenges them. It is a you problem. When you feel that way, it is your ego. You know, where you're triggered is your therapist is a, is a really interesting aphemism. When, I, when someone says something you don't like, sit with that and wonder like, why don't I like that? It's probably a you problem. So yeah, if, if more people can just embrace that they maybe suck at something because we all sucked at everything when we first started it and then just look down on the challenge rather than look up at it as this insurmountable task, I think everybody would be a lot happier, a lot more fulfilled, and certainly a lot more fit. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the next thing I want to talk about is because fitness is so, it's become cool. Like it, it really has, it's become more popular. And I think that when anything becomes quote unquote mainstream, um, it becomes ripe for 
scams, BS, <laughs> and a bunch of other uh, garbage that I think has probably always been there with fitness, but I think it's at all time highs these days. And so I'm wondering as someone who likes to speak very candidly and speak about stuff that, you know, these are really the only things that are 95% of what you do. How do you feel about the current state of fitness and all the information that's out there that maybe is being pushed particularly to like young men, for example? Oh man, don't get me started. You want a two hour episode out of this. Um, (laughs) Yeah, I do think, I think far too often people focus on the, they try to achieve 90% of their results from the 10% things, right? The pills, powder, supplements, when it's really, it's really the habits. And I, I think to myself all the time, there's people like me, there's people like you, there's people like TNF, Dylan O'Brien, Greg O'Gallagher. Like there's all the people that put out logical common sense information. Why doesn't everybody see them? And it's because they get pushed to the bottom by these peddlers. You know, I made a video about a particular creator. I don't know if you want that liability, so I won't name him. I named him multiple times in the video and just made fun of him and how he has these quizzes and these things that just don't matter, right? He, he, he uses words like the secret that they don't want you to know. All these buzzwords, right? That in my opinion, if you're looking for a real expert, and this is really important, I think Dr. Lane Norton, one of the best minds in the space, PhD in nutrition, really well-established, One of the things he talks about is when you're looking for an authority in the space of anything, you're looking for a reliable source of information, stay away from people who deal with absolutes. You must do this. This is the way. Look for people who use vernacular like this might work. This may be helpful. This is probably a great way to do it because one, that person understands that everybody's different. And two, they're probably continually evolving their knowledge and they're not a zealot in one way of thinking. And if they're pushing you that hard towards a specific path, that path probably leads down the path of a pill product or program. Now, my take on this in the current state of today is, is follow the money. You know, people like the creator I'm, I'm alluding to paid a tremendous amount of money by some probably private equity firm. And, you know, money makes people act funny. So I think if I can offer advice to people in, a, in an industry that is inevitably broken and will probably never be fixed in a lot of ways, Don't listen to the people who deal in absolutes with their verbiage. Stay away from that because that's a dangerous road. And if it sounds too complicated to follow, probably don't follow it. Like that's, that's my only advice, especially the guys out there. There's a ton of guys that are preying on the insecurity of men and saying, I've got, you know, I've got this insert pill bottle product here. That's going to change all that for you. What's going to change all that for you is getting sunlight, eating real food, eating more protein getting in the gym three to four times a week, breaking a sweat and, you know, having positive self-talk. Like that's 95% of it. I completely agree with everything you just said. And uh, we are both with the brand EchoVision. Um, but what I really liked about them and why I would consider joining a brand that does sell supplements, even though I do talk about exactly what you said, which is it's the 10%, 5%, that's the last little part, um, is that it's very it's very no BS. I can talk about what I want. I don't have to push anything like super hard. And uh, the back of their bottle has everything that's in it, always, every time, uh, dosed to what whoever designed it is designs to be effective. And, um, yeah, I think that there's definitely when there's so many bad players in the space, I think that it can give everyone kind of a tainted name, which is, that's just how it goes. Uh, my least favorite thing that I see when it comes to like BS in the fitness space right now is the so-called like, you know, there's get rich quick schemes. There's Mm. the get fit quick schemes. Uh, and, whether it is a pill or a workout program that they tell you you're going to look like this in this amount of time. And I get it because when I was 15, 16, the only thing I wanted was a six pack, right? You don't care about anything else. You might not even care about your health, right? You just want to get bigger, get more muscles so that probably girls will like you, or maybe even your peers will like you more. Right. Uh, and I'm thinking like, okay, now when I tell people and they see, you know, my physique, I've been working out for eight years, like eight years. And I'm going to work out for another 40 years. So the time horizon that people think on is so small and I get it because it's like, I want to improve my life. How, how soon until I have the six pack, right? Um, when I think you have to change in your brain, like this is not a, I've met my goal. Now it's time to what? Stop working out. You're going to keep working out. So whether you get fit in 18 months, in two years, in three years, right? If your life three years from now is so much better than it was today. I think you'll be far happier than saying like, oh, I wasn't 
didn't have my six pack in six months. Yeah. Well, you're, you're also, you're asking as, as some, a couple of guys who were 16, 17 year old dudes, not that long ago, you're asking a 16 or seven year old to, th- or a 17 year old to think about a prolonged future, which is an impossible oh, ask. Incredibly I hard, could yeah. barely think to the next week when I was that age. So it, I challenge all of you guys listening out there that may be younger than us. You know, I'm 26, almost 27. You're 23, right? Just turned 24. Yeah. Just turned 24. Uh, happy belated. Thank you. Um, you really need to challenge that perspective of, you know, one of my favorite quotes is success. 90% of success can be boiled down to doing the obvious thing for an extraordinary amount of time without convincing yourself quote. you're smarter than you are. It's the obvious things and you just have to do them for a really long time. It's getting in the gym when you don't want to, when you do want to, it's eating the right foods when you want to, when you don't want to, it's sleeping when you want to, when you don't want to. If you just do that, those tasks compound on one another um, and it is really hard. I'll admit it is, a, it is really difficult to do that, to have that mentality of, he just told me he's been doing this for seven years. I was hoping for 70 days. Yeah. Like, I'm sorry, man. Like you're going to look different in 70 days and that's, that's a great thing, but you're going to be a different human in seven years. So if, if more young guys, the guys that listen to you can adopt that mentality, they will be winners because the time's going to pass anyway. I mean, why not, why not make it count? Right. Yep. I love that quote. Yeah. Cause I have a photo from, uh, it was 18 months after I, and I've been consistently lifting. Like uh, there was no breaks. There was no nothing for eight years now, 18 months in, I've been doing that for almost two years and I looked different, but I didn't look good. Right. Eight, 18 months in and people are like, what were you doing wrong? Like <laughs> I literally, when I showed that photo, people are like, you, you clearly weren't educated. I'm like, no, I consumed hours of fitness media every single day. It's that I started from zero, zero. zero. And so, yeah, you know, it, it took much longer for me to build the physique that people are like, okay, now you're jacked. Um, and so I, 18 months in, I could have been like, you know what? Don't look the way they want to. This doesn't work for me. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's a really good segue into, uh, what you refer to as, and I really like this term, like the big rocks versus the little rocks when it comes to fitness. Um, and I'm curious if you want to just expand on that topic. We've already kind of touched on it, but uh, I think that it's such a good concept to frame how you think about what you should be doing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, the big rocks and the little rocks of fitness, I don't think I can trademark that term. I think that was prob- probably from someone I heard along the way. But the way I see it, we have big rocks of training um, or big rocks of physical fitness, and we have small rocks of physical fitness. And if you've seen anyone, the way I like to frame this, if you see anyone who's been fit for a long time who got fit and stayed that way, the odds are they're not thinking about the things you are as a beginner. And the odds are they have these big rocks pretty much mastered to where 80% of the year, 90% of the year, these are dialed. So I see the big rocks as your nutrition, your training, your movement, your recovery. And ultimately a piece of this I would say is your internal dialogue, which you can argue is maybe not a big rock, but it was huge for me. So I'm gonna make it a big rock. Um, I have training and movement separated for a reason because a lot of times I hear people, I'm in the gym four days a week and I'm absolutely crushing it and my nutrition's great. I'm eating clean, whatever that means, and I'm not losing a pound. Well, you just told me you're in the gym four days a week for an hour. That means you're moving four hours a week, but the other 12 hours a day you're awake, you're at your desk or on the couch. So the big rocks look like this. Get in a training program. Now, if you're brand new to fitness, get in the habit of walking in the gym door and sweating. But once you have that habit established, it's time to hop on a program. What does a program look like? How do you find a good program? The best program is going to be the one that you can and will stick to for forever, right? Compliance is the science. You will see the best results from what you like and will stick to. For me, it's not the same as what it's probably going to be for you or for you, right? We all like different shit. Whatever that is, find a program that hits the major muscle groups, your chest, shoulders, and triceps, your back, biceps, and your legs, right? And abs, if you want to throw that in, um, and find a program that hits those maybe one to two times a week with high intensity training somewhere, one rep shy of, or at failure, right? You have to stress the muscle to give it a reason to grow and then do that repeatedly rinse and repeat for three to six months. And you'll be happy with the outcome. It's an unsexy answer, but if someone's giving you unsexy at fitness advice, it's probably the right advice. That's the thing that I think people also struggle with understanding is they want, you know, the BOSU ball, one-legged split squats, and they want the workouts to change every five days. It's like, no, if you want to look the same, definitely do that. But hop on a program you like that has the same key movements and forces you to get stronger in those movements by either adding weight to the bar or increasing your reps. Then you've got your movement, 
walk 10,000 steps a day. Like that's all I'm gonna say. I'm not gonna make it harder than it has to be. Just find a way to walk for an hour a day. Your nutrition, everybody should be hitting their protein goal. How do you find your protein goal? If you have less than 50 pounds of body fat to lose based on your guess, just try to eat your body weight in grams of protein. I'm 190 pounds, I try to eat 190 grams a day. Do you need more or less depending on the research? Yeah, but we won't worry about that, all right? Um, if you have more than 50 pounds to lose, people should be trying to strive for their goal weight in grams of protein. Now, a lot of times if you've got body fat to lose, one of the things I do with my coaching clients is if they're new to this stuff for the first four weeks, we don't track a calorie. I just give them a protein goal and I say, you hit that and you eat as much of the food off of this list as you want. And that behavior, we're, found, we're solidifying the behavior of whole foods, tends to create the calorie deficit. Because if you're just, most of you guys just aren't eating enough protein, right? So they're hungry all the time. If you can eat more protein and hit that goal every day, you're probably gonna see results and progress in building muscle, burning body fat. Last piece, or last two pieces, recovery. Just sleep six to eight hours a night. Seriously, stop negotiating. TikTok will be there tomorrow. Netflix will be there tomorrow. Um, and lastly, positive internal dialogue. For me, this is a newer one, but I really do believe that if you're the, one of my favorite, not to get to another isms is the person you spend the most time with is yourself. Try not to lose that person's respect. If you constantly shit on yourself inside of your head and call yourself dumb, fat, ugly, stupid, you're going to start to believe it and you're going to start to project that energy. So just be nice to yourself. Like you may not have this figured out. Just say, I don't have this figured out yet, but I will. And start to stack the proof and the winds of becoming a fitter person through those big rocks. Then once you have those big rocks down, worry about the little rocks. You can fuck around with supplements, pre-workouts, tweaking what, what other things you want to have in that diet. But until you have that five, those five things dialed, nobody should touch a little rock. That's my take. I completely agree with that. Uh, I, I, that's why I'm so skeptical because I do post photos and I'll probably be posting a photo later today for, um, the Echo Vision Black Friday sale, which is happening, but the um, people will see that and their immediate questions is the same questions that they'll ask everybody. What is your workout routine? I tell them straight up, I am not going to give you my workout routine because if you do the same reps of I do and the same sets of I do of every exercise that I do, you won't look like me. And that's not saying that I'm something special. It's that I have eight years of experience and it's what works for me. I didn't go through the literature to decide how I work out, right? It's, I did it through experience over that amount of time. And mm -hmm. the same goes for my diet. People ask me, I did post one of my meals just because people were curious and almost people are like surprised. And it's like, what do you expect? It's grass fed meat with some fruit and some, you know, fermented, it was pickled onions. And it's like, it's, it's simple, right? There's no, there's nothing complicated here. And I think that's where, uh, yeah, people like to get lost in the weeds. Um, and, I get it, right? What you said, I, I really liked about it's an unsexy answer. And that's because you feel like the answer should be something different, right? Yeah. You should tell me something that I didn't know. It shouldn't be so simple. Yeah. And and that's where they're like, I'm not fit because of something I don't know. It's like, no, you probably do know. You just aren't doing the things to change it. Yeah. And they, they all know. They all know that they should be eating better food. They all know that they should be in the gym more and they're not doing it. The magic you're looking for is in the work you're avoiding. That's probably my favorite quote of all time outside of a few Hormozy quotes is most people know exactly what they want to do, but as humans, we're flawed in the way that we don't want to do the obvious things. You know, It's not our brain's job physiologically to keep us jacked and lean. It's just to keep us safe in our little bubble. And going to the gym, if, we're, if we've never been and doing all these things that are uncomfortable, our brain perceives that as a threat, right? It's a stressor. You have to break past that. And then we can maybe talk about mindset later down, but like shifting your mindset and leaving your ego at the door is gonna lead to you developing more as a human being, physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually, more than anything in the world. Like that's why I, I do all the weird shit I do, the cold exposure, the ultra marathons. I grow a lot as an individual when I challenge myself and you should too. <laughs> yeah, uh, so the next thing I wanna talk about, because I think a lot of people, they might be listening right now and doing the same, probably the most common excuse I hear is, okay, that's all well and good. I don't have the time, right? Whether it's like, I need to go work to make money to literally support myself and my family. And I drive, you know, 90 minutes there, 90 minutes back, uh, or a kid in school, uh, you know, I was an engineering student and that's the one I, I brought it up at the beginning. Like, I do not have the time to do all of this fancy fitness stuff you're talking about. And uh, I know that you don't work the traditional nine to five anymore, but you did up mm -hmm. until very recently. And so I'm wondering if you have any tips on that. And my favorite thing that you do 
is call people out on their bullshit. Um, and so really quickly, because one of my favorite stories you did, go check out Michael on TikTok, by the way, higher up on this. But he, uh, people will say like, I don't have time for a three minute walk in the, or 15 minute walk in the morning. And he calls you, he calls him out and he's like, no, like you, you can find time to do this. Oh, but it's too cold. And then you have the video of you and there's frost <laughs> on the window and you're like, it's cold here. I'm doing it anyways. Yeah. So I love that. But anyways, uh, back to the refocusing on the time thing, balancing with a nine to five or any large commitment. Yeah. I mean, it, that is a, it's a, look, it's valid to feel challenged by your schedule, but a fact of the matter is most of your priorities are just fucked up. I don't know how else to put it. Uh, are we allowed to curse? I should have asked yeah, that Yeah, no, you're good. Go for okay. it. Okay, sorry. We're about 20 minutes yeah. in and I just, can I, I curse? I just put that little explicit label. We're good. <laughs> yeah, okay. Um, but most people say they don't have time, create excuses for themselves. And it's a matter of someone busier than you in worse circumstances found a way to make it work. So like, what is your excuse? Truly. I understand people have kids, jobs, lives. Everybody does. All right. And everybody, everybody that finds a way, finds a way. So I was in the nine to five in a pretty rigorous nine to five being in sales. I killed what I ate and I was brand new and I had nothing to, to eat. So I had to go find things to kill. Right. So I was busy. Um, and then moving into the private equity consulting world before I, I quit the nine to five, that's a cutthroat business. And those were, you know, 50, 55, 60 hour weeks sometimes. But I believe if more people can reframe their day into how do I look at my day and squeeze movement into little compartments? It's here's my movement. How do I build my day around my movement and my activity? Because what you're able to prioritize and direct your energy to, you're able to execute on. I firmly believe that. Most people's priorities are just out of order. So if you say, I need 45 minutes of walking total in the 12 hours I'm awake, and I need a 45 minute gym workout three times a week. Well, you can probably wake up 15 to 20 minutes earlier before the kids get out of bed and you can go for a walk. It's cold. I don't care. Put on a few layers. That's why this wonderful industrial revolution invented winter clothing. Like, I don't know what else to tell you. Go, go outside, go for a walk. You live in the Arctic, get a freaking indoor treadmill, like find a way at some point. It's an unsexy answer of just figuring it out. And maybe like one of my favorite things to do was when my outlook calendar was jammed, but we were coming in during a, you know, the pandemic right into the workforce. So all of our meetings were remote. A lot of people still have remote meetings. If you've got a 12 minute gap between calls, go take an eight minute walk. If you do four, eight minute walks, you've got 5,000 steps. And it's, it's these micro wins and these micro decisions that have a really macro impact that I think people are missing. They just assume 15 minutes, scroll, 15 minutes, email. It's no, it's 15 minutes, go 12 minutes for a walk, three minutes to use the bathroom and sit down and get prepared for your meeting. And if people can look at their day like that, then I think they'll be more successful. Um, and if they can take the three hours they're on Netflix in the evening and turn it into an hour and a half, then they have 90 minutes for the gym because we all have what, 127 hours in a week. And if you're sleeping eight hours a night and working 50 hours a week, that's still a fair amount of time to figure out what to do with the rest. Absolutely. I think that's such a phenomenal answer. I have a couple things to go off of there. Um, one being that I, I said exactly what you said when it came to school, because a lot of my content was focused towards kids in school. And I said that you, if you make it a non-negotiable, right, it is part of my day. It is as important to me as eating, sleeping and getting my studies done you will find time like mm -hmm. you, you will, you know? And so, uh, I, when I would post videos and say that, oh, you know, I slept up to 10 hours a night and had a 3.97 GPA and was the president of my fraternity. <laughs> I love the comments. They start immediately coping. And it's like, uh, least obvious communications major. Nope. Computer engineering. And it's like, okay, At Georgia well, tech, no less. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, oh, well you didn't have to work during college. It's like, nope, did summer internships. And that's how I paid my dues, you know? And so <clears throat> it blows my mind that, um, people, again, kind of like, they just don't want to hear that it's possible because to them they struggle. And then the, the Netflix thing I think is true. Um, if you walk like morning walk, evening walk, whatever it is, you will feel or, or work out obviously, but I think walking is such a lower barrier to entry. Mm -hmm. You will feel so much better. And it, it, without fail, you almost can not believe like, I feel kind of, you know, not great right now. I'm going to go move. And without fail, it's like, okay, it's all, it blows my mind how different that can change your day or the mood you were in. And, uh, I almost don't believe that it's that strong sometimes. And then I do it and it proves to be that strong every single time. And it's something crazy like, uh, three, 10 minute walks, 
throughout the day can reduce your all-cause all mortality by an insane amount. Like yes. that little bit of movement can literally take years and add it to your life. Yeah, some, something to the effect of people who averaged 8,000 steps a day over the course of multiple years, it was a meta-analysis, which is a high-quality study. Their risk of all-cause mortality was reduced by 30%. All-cause mortality being heart attack, stroke, cancer, the things that kill us all, well, eventually. Yeah. <laughs> the things that are killing the most Americans right now, right? It's these small decisions, right? And that's something that's really important to also mention is it's not just about looking better. The reason I created Higher Up Wellness was actually for a branding project in college. Uh, I had an um, amazing professor, Brad Taylor. Shout out Brad Taylor, he'll probably never see this. He was the VP of marketing and managed the Disney Coca-Cola relationship. Really successful guy. And we had a semester long project. You could either take a dying brand, think Radio Shack, Toys R Us, and you could try to make it better or you could build your own. And I found that I loved fitness and wellness. I was already in love with it by that point, but I was also doing really well in school and college. And I thought, how do I marry the two? Higher up wellness. You think higher ups in a company, my dream, my goal was to work with high performers and executives to show them how establishing a physical edge gives them a corporate edge. If you walk more and you get morning sunlight and you drink electrolytes and you eat real food, your brain and body receive and lift weights, your brain and your body receive the nutrients and the blood flow that they need to perform better. I mean, you can attest to this. You probably feel notably sharper and better and have better energy levels when you're regularly sleeping, training, and eating the right stuff. Am I wrong? No, absolutely. <laughs> you're <Yeah>. not wrong. <laughs> it's, it's a direct correlation. And there's all this cool science behind, you know, load-bearing exercise like the bench, the squat, the deadlift, release this hormone from our bones called osteocalcine that passes the blood-brain barrier and, and moves into our hippocampus, which is the part of our brain associated with learning and memory. So lifting weights can literally make you smarter, not to mention the blood flow, not to mention the dopamine, all the things we get that make us better people. And that's where I really get fired up is I want people to know like, it, it's not just about getting fitter. This is literally going to make you a better worker, a better business owner, a better partner, a better friend. It bleeds into every facet of your life. I talk about this uh, almost exactly. It, I Single-handedly, the gym kind of changed my life in the sense that uh, the person I was prior to finding the consistency in the gym uh, was, you know, I was good student, but that was about it. Kind of insecure, uh, didn't really know why people would or would not like me, um, was not very charismatic, was not very driven in like career wise. I was very happy to, you know, go work into a cubicle for the rest of my life. That's what just I just imagined. And fitness changed that, like entirely changed my trajectory. It showed that I could commit to things long-term. It did finally make me able to talk to people with confidence, which ultimately helped me romantically, professionally, everything, right? And so I think that, yeah, there's so much more to fitness and what it can do for you than looking good in the mirror. Yeah, if people can understand that they need confidence, the, the discipline that they're seeking, which is what everybody needs to be successful in anything, comes from taking action. Action creates momentum. Action and momentum create confidence. And action and momentum and confidence over time create the discipline that these people are seeking. And if you can build confidence through action in your physical fitness and continue to stack those wins, then you'll start to think, what else can I do? Where else can I identify a win? And then that confidence grows. And it's just like, it's it just, it builds into other things that I think people don't understand because they look at fitness very myopically. Yeah. Uh, something that I didn't have on the itinerary, but I really want to discuss right now is people will listen to us and kind of think right now, okay, these these health freaks, these gym freaks, whatever, which is fine. To some degree, we're maybe a little bit hyper-focused on that. But um, something that I like that you talk about a lot is, is balance, right? Mm -hmm. And understanding that, for example, on Saturday, I went to a tailgate at my old fraternity. I did drink, like I enjoyed my time. I still worked out Sunday and did everything fine. Um, and then you talk about like the holidays are coming up and you'll eat, you know, at a birthday party or at Thanksgiving or at Christmas. And uh, if you wanna discuss just a little bit about how balance plays a role in long-term goals, because I think a lot of people do see it as sort of a binary, you're in or you're out. Yeah, yeah, and that is ultimately a broken mentality. It, it is, and it will never work in most facets of life. You know, it's good to be an all-in person where, you know, when I trained for my marathon, I was like, I'm not going to just try to finish. I, I'm going to try to hit a goal, right? But with fitness, when it's something you're doing for forever, you can't be all in on anything because that's, you're going to burn out. And that's one of the most common excuses I'm, I'm getting from 
so many people is, well, it's the holidays. Why would I not just wait until January? You know, the average person gains somewhere between five and 17 pounds between October and January. Do you know how far that sets you back on a diet journey? That's months of dieting. And what people fail to understand is let's say you have two Friendsgivings, Thanksgiving, Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, and New Year's, where you're just totally three sheets to the wind, just an absolute mess off track. That's six or seven days out of the previous 90. So what if you're on track 83 other days? Like you're gonna make forward progress, relax. If people can understand that it is not a game of perfection, but rather a game of progress. And as long as, as, long as you're in the positive at the end of the day, you're gonna move forward. That's why I love the 80-20 rule. If you take 80-20 rule, for those of you who don't know, is 80% of the time eat clean, 20% eat whatever. That's great. But if you're on point 80% of the year and you're off track 20%, that leaves you 70 days to sort of be an asshole and eat like whatever. And are you gonna see as great results as you would being dialed 90% or 100%? No. But if you're on point 80%, you're gonna make forward progress. And that is something I really wanna challenge people to do is understand I can go have three or four beers with my buddies and still hit my protein goal and hit the gym and make forward progress. Maybe not quite as much, but definitely a lot more than if I would have just said, fuck it and thrown my hands up and just been an idiot all day. Yeah, and I think that uh, because when I made the gym freak comment, it's it's because I did probably, I'm not gonna lie, for the first eh, 18 months in the gym, uh, it became my entire personality. And even though this is what, you know, you talk a lot about health and everything online, but there's more to you than just like the guy who does fitness all day, every day. Cause in my opinion, that's not really an interesting person. Mm -hmm. And so uh, I think that again, kind of the in all, all in all out, it is about, if you think about like the pie of your life, right? It's about prioritizing the things that matter to you. And it is just a slice though. And it's a very important slice, but it's not the whole thing. And I think that so many people uh, will confuse the two. Yeah, they do. And I, they, they wonder how the hell am I going to fit this little sliver in when I have all these other things going on? It's like, just relax. You, 10% of your life was spent to devoting or 10% of your day every day was spent to becoming better physically you would be a completely different human being. Like every day, these, the 1% better mentality of like just a little bit every single day rather than my whole life has to be based around this. My identity has to be gym bro. Otherwise I will not be successful. <laughs> it's, it's so flawed. Yeah. Uh, speaking of <laughs> gym freak, um, you did something recently that most people will never do their entire lifetimes, which is, is run an ultra marathon. And, uh, I'm curious about what, why you choose to do something. Um, cause I, the most recent guy I interviewed as well, he recently hiked Kilimanjaro. Mm. And so for most people selectively choosing a level of discomfort, that is probably one of the most extreme discomforts you ever felt is inconceivable. And so I'm wondering a, how you decided to do that and B while you're running, what does that feel like? halfway through the race, you know, you've got still so much left. And then lastly, how did you feel afterwards? So three yeah. questions. Yeah. The people who will never do that are smarter than me because that was a, a brutal physical task. No, I'm just kidding. Um, it was, it was phenomenal. It's the hardest thing I have ever done hands down. And I ran a marathon last year. Uh, that was a very easy, predictable, flat course. This was a mountain bike trail in South Georgia. It rained the entire time. It was 54 degrees. It, and it was, 31 miles, but I ran 33 because I got lost. So a marathon, for those of you who don't know, is 26.2. And it was about as flat as this table the whole way through. This was whoop de doos 3,000 feet up, 3,000 feet down. It was brutal. Um, my feet are still, I may have had some small fractures in them. I'm still working through that. Walking is kind of interesting right now. Um, but I think the, the reason that I do these things and the reason that I think everybody should do is a concept that, are you familiar with Jesse Itzler? I'm not, no. He's an Atlanta guy. His wife is the CEO of Spanx, the massive company that makes women's clothing based out of Atlanta here. Uh, and he's big in the running community. He just put on a festival called Running Man down in middle Georgia. And he's just a really, really active in the community guy. And he has a video talking. He lived with David Goggins for a little bit. It's a really interesting, dude. Uh, and he has a concept where he talks about the Japanese Masogi, which is something you take on that basically is a, is a monumental challenge that changes you fundamentally in some way. And he believes every year you should pick a Masogi, which is take something across the board. It can be physical, it can be financial, it can be emotional. Take something that is this insurmountable task that you're not totally certain you can do and then go do it because it's gonna change you as a human being. 
And that's from last year, it was the marathon. This year it was an ultra. Next year, it's going to be either a 50 or a hundred miler. I don't know yet. But the reason I do that is because I believe one, that when you're in that space of you've been running for three hours straight, something happens to you and it takes your mind to a place that I don't think anything else can. And Courtney DeWalter, one of the best runners in the world, calls it the pain cave. It's just, you learn a lot about yourself when you challenge yourself physically to such an extreme degree. And I also think it's incredible that as human beings, we can make our bodies just through slowly building the stress, do these unbelievable things. I never, gun to my head, I don't think I could have run 33 miles two years ago. But you can just train your body to do this stuff, and it's fan, it's fascinating. So during the race, I think I was loving it and just absolutely stoked. And I, I remember being in the rain, feet soaked five minutes in, and I said out loud, this is what it's all about. This is so fun. I was with some friends, and then the adversity set in. I got lost uh, on the trail, and I, I was shooting to podium this race. I wanted to, I wanted to take top three, and I lost 25 minutes because I got lost on the trail. And in that moment, I thought, damn it. All right. I just got to finish. That was real adversity. And I thought, no, still give this your best shot, finish in under six hours. And I did that. But there comes a time when you're 16 miles deep, my body was not prepared for this terrain. I was only doing road runs, no trail runs, bad idea. And everything's hurting. And I just kept telling myself, can I take one more step out loud saying, can I take one more step? Can I take one more step? And those moments where like every fiber of my being was saying, this is terrible. I had to challenge my perspective, which is another thing I believe is the most important thing in life, is the way you look at something ultimately dictates how you respond to it. I said, you know, I could, this, this pain is just right now and it's going to be over soon. But if I quit, the regret of this will always be there. So I'd rather hurt for a few more hours than stop now. And I finished in my 31 mile time was five hours and 49 minutes. Official time for 33 was I think 5.55. So it was a tremendous amount of pride when I finished that. And of course, I learned a lot about myself as I knew I would. So I think the the outcome and the feeling afterward was it was more proof. It was more confidence that I am who I say I am and that I can do another hard thing that I set my mind to. And it's why I love endurance training is I do believe everybody should sign up for a race, a run, a 5K, a 10K, whatever. It doesn't have to be an ultra. If you suck at running, try it because the simple fact of building a skill that you suck at and then setting a goal and achieving it is what I think a lot of people are missing in their lives. And that's that's why I do what I do. And I think the last thing I'll say about that is not to add another ism or quote, but one of my favorite quotes is, hell is looking back on your life and seeing what you could have been and realizing you're not that. And I believe if we do these things that challenge us physically, if I do these things, I'm pushing towards the best version of myself. That's incredible. I, it reminds me as well. Uh, I also am a big fan of Alex Hormozzi. And one that I, I draw on a lot is this is what hard feels like. Oh yeah. And so when you're in that moment and it's like, okay, the things that you say you want, if I asked you, okay, do you think it'll be easy to get them? You would say no, right? You, like if you want to become a multimillionaire, is that going to be easy? No. If you want to become ripped, is that going to be easy? No. Okay. Well then this is what hard feels like. And it's a permission to be like, this is shitty right now but that's kind of the point. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Otherwise everyone would do it. Um, I think that, that that's actually a decent segue. And so this is a little bit less about fitness, but um, putting yourself through that much discomfort, which is an amazing story again, uh, is I talk a lot about put it, doing the things you don't want to do. Mm. And uh, I talk a lot about delusion. I think that a lot of people today are legitimately delusional. And I bring up manifesting. And I think that there, there's a bastardization, right? The true manifesting is believing something, believing you can do something and then going out and trying to do it. But I think that so many people today have actually turned it into, which is if I think hard enough about this thing, then it'll happen and money will fall into my lap or my dream partner will walk through the door tomorrow, right? And I think that it's in part due to we as humans have made life existence so unbelievably comfortable and so easy that no longer do you think that it takes effort to achieve things. So uh, I'm going to just kind of throw that at you and say if you have any sort of perspective on modern uh, goal setting, basically. Yeah, I, I do. I do. I, this is where I think you and I can have a whole separate episode on the, the act and art of manifestation. And there's so many people out there that make a living teaching people how to call things into the universe. Now, 
I think we're both pretty matter of fact with our content. And I don't, I don't personally believe that if you say I will find $10,000 in the next five days that you're going to just find it lying on the ground. What I do believe, and I, I think I can use a little bit of a personal anecdote. What led me to quit my job was I had made a little bit of money in the coaching and social media space. And I started to realize I was good at it. And I started to realize it really filled me up and brought me a lot of intrinsic value and corporate work wasn't anymore. I like sales. I was really good at it in my program in college, good at it in work, but it didn't light me up, right? I like conversations. I like people. So that's why I like sales. And when I started to really gain traction, I wrote down an exorbitant number on a piece of paper that I thought if I make this much, I'll take the risk and I'll quit my job. Now, did I manifest? And I ended up hitting that amount. It was a ridiculous deadline, but I did make it. I achieved it in the deadline. Did I write it down and call it on the universe, therefore it happened? No, but I wrote it down and I called attention to it and I started to take deliberate action towards things that increase the likelihood of that outcome. And I believe that's what people are really doing when they're manifesting things. I believe that you're going to reframe your perspective to look at look for opportunities that may draw you closer to that goal that you otherwise were unconsciously incompetent to. So manifesting, not so much, but where attention goes, energy flows. I do believe that. And now that my energy is into creating quality content, into building my own business, shocker, it, it, that's happening. But it's because I'm putting the effort in. So I think if people can be realistic with their goals, you have to be, you know, you know the classic metric, what's a smart goal, specific, yep. measurable, attainable, realistic, and timely. Those all very much still apply in our lives today. And I love your take on delusion versus confidence. And I know you just had a guest on recently, Lucas, who's all about like, be delusionally confident. Fuck everybody else. And I, I do love that to a degree because like he's super successful. But it is, in my opinion, impossible to have delusional confidence if you don't have some sort of prior proof or prior thing to build on for your own identity. Like I have the fact that I've built a physique over the last seven years. So I know principally I can stick to something long-term that's difficult that most people can and I can handle some adversity. I know I have endurance training, right? I have, I have things in my life that have challenged me similarly that I can lean on for that proof of confidence that I am who I say I am, right? We've, we know that. Um, but it is hard to set a goal of, I wanna build a million dollar business and you've never even gotten off the couch. Let's start smaller. Okay, are you making your bed every day? Are you going to the gym? Are you eating real food? Are you respecting yourself and those around you? All right, then start to build habits from there and maybe adjust the goals accordingly as time goes by. But stop trying to be you know, the next multimillionaire when you literally haven't even started with the absolute basics. That's my take. Yeah, I think that, yeah, your comment on, I think there is an art to goal setting, absolutely. And uh, there are definitely a lot of people, and that's where I think social media is really the poison that started all of this, which is, when you see plastered into your eyeballs every single day, all day, every day, your goal, you can see it as sort of more attainable than it is when you have no action to back up the fact that you can do it. But this kid did it and this kid did it and this kid did it. Therefore, I can do it. When behind the screen, they did so many things that you did not even begin to do and failed a hundred times before they even found any traction. And I think that that is where there's the delusional thing. Cause you were like, Oh, I'm going to wake up tomorrow and go start a million dollar company with no business experience. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, yeah, I think that it, it just goes back to, again, like telling people what they don't want to hear. A lot of people criticize me for it and I want everyone to be successful. That's the whole point of why I make my content. I think a lot of people see that and they're like, you're trying to put people down. And I think that there is a balance, right? The there's the too harsh side, which is the dad who tells you you'll never amount to anything because you're a loser. Not good. On the converse side, you can't tell everybody they're going to be a billionaire because then they're going to grow up. They're going to become 30. They're going to have a girl that they think they're too good for and a job that they feel like they're not good at basically. And then they'll be like, I'm a failure because I'm not a billionaire. Mm -hmm. And I hate that attitude because it's like, you can be absolutely successful, fulfilled without being the top 0.00001%. Yeah. Yeah. I, that's such a good point, man. Let's, let's make very clear. We want everybody to believe in themselves. I want you to believe in yourself. I want you to say that you can do anything you set your mind out to, but Delusion versus confidence are very different. I think you're right. It's about reframing expectations. And I think we need a little bit of that disapproving father and a little bit of that coddling mother, maybe not to, to assign principles to is like, you need, you need a, an angel and a devil on your shoulder that one that tells you, you can do anything. And one that says, hold on, let's be calculated. Let's, let's be realistic somewhere in the middle, just like fitness, just like anything else. It's probably not the far end of either of the side of the bell curve. It's somewhere in the middle that makes the most sense. 
That's my favorite thing. I talk about that all the time. I talk on virtually everything. I think that uh, the extremification of takes has, uh, it's, it's true. I mean, there's science to back this up that people are getting pushed and pushed further towards the extremes. And I think that in reality, the truth is probably somewhere in the middle. If it's on a little bit on one side, a little bit on the other side, that's fine. But it's so much closer than you think. And uh, I think that a lot of people would have a better experience if they just had that more tempered approach of hold on, going back to the thing of absolutes, like there is nuance to everything in my opinion, and it's not going to be, you know, the, on either extreme. Mm -hmm. Um, we're getting close to kind of the hour mark. I want to ask you, uh, like, what are you working on? Any projects you want to shout out? If you want to even a plug, like coaching, what, what do you look for in an ideal candidate? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I am building a YouTube channel. My first video should be out today, launching a, a solo podcast, the Higher Up Podcast. Some something similar in the format of what you're doing, uh, also mixed with some bite bite sized episodes of basically longer form versions of my my TikTok. Where if people want to listen to that and engage and get more detail out of it, please do. Uh, I'm I'm super passionate about this, and I just have one goal: is to just create as much value as possible for free to help the, to help everyone improve their lives. Uh, from the coaching perspective, I do have a coaching business. I think I'm pretty damn good at it. I'm biased though, um, but I'm uh, I'm working on building and scaling that and growing it. And I think my ideal candidate, I think the the guy that I look for or want to work with, is just someone who wants to learn and wants to know the why behind it. I don't prescribe meal plans. I don't make people eat chicken and broccoli six times a day. I actually just want to give them the behaviors to improve their life. And I'll always give it all away for free. But if they want to come along with me, then that's great. And I'd love to have them. I think anyone who wants to be successful, any client I would take on in general, has to want to know the why behind things and not just be given a plan and mindlessly execute because that is a quick recipe for failure. You have to learn how to do this stuff for forever because when you when you sign up to be in the fitness lifestyle, you are signing up to do this until the day you take your last breath and you don't do that through meal plans, chicken and broccoli, food you hate and workouts you hate. You do it through understanding a few key four or five decisions every day and finding ways that no matter what environment you're in, you can make the best and get the closest you can to that ideal decision or outcome for you. So um, yeah, TikTok, all the social media is all the same. It's higher up wellness everywhere across the board. I'm Michael Smoke, but uh, that's that's what I got going, man. Awesome, man. Yeah, we'll, we'll put, plug you as hard as we can. And I'm sure that, uh, you know, we're both working with Echo. And so uh, whether we'll be meeting again in Houston or wherever we are, I'm sure this is not the last conversation we'll have. But I just want to thank you guys. Thank you so much for uh, coming on the show, man. Dude, thank you for having me. I'm, I'm stoked to do more of this if we can and see each other in Houston for the Echo Vision meetups. All righty. Well, thank you guys for watching, everybody. Thank you.